Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode. In the studio tonight, it is myself, the authentic Lord Reverend Dr. Captain Kickass Buckshot Esquire, if you will, joining me. It's Nikki. And Richie Rich. I believe uh, this man is named Brandon, is that correct? Yes, that is correct. Let's go, Brandon. (laughs) You are on Free Talk Live. Uh, Tell us uh, a bit about where you're calling from and what's on your mind. Um, so I'm calling from the Lafayette Parish Correctional Center. It's uh, our local jail here in Louisiana. Okay. And I was just calling because I wanted to tell you guys how much I love the show and, you know, show my support and give a shout-out to Aria and tell her to keep her head up. Oh, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. Uh, so are you able to listen to the show inside of the jail? I do, or I can. Um you know, it plays like three hours from now, but it is the only radio programming that I listen to religiously as of like January of this year. So can, can you tell us a little more about your incarceration or is that confidential information? Um, so, I mean, I, I, go, I go to a pre-trial date this week and, you know, without... You know, I can't discuss it too much over the okay. phone. So you're not convicted um, yet. You're just being held until trial. Yeah, it, it, you know, I'll, I'll call back another time after <laughs> I take a plea offer. <laughs> yeah, no, no sweat, man. Uh, so have, uh, other than listening to the show, uh, has that been your only interaction uh, with Arya? That is correct. Okay, all right. Uh, well, uh, I, I'm sure she appreciates it. I don't think that she's able to listen to the show where she's at. Uh, she's going to have a lot of catching up to do when she yeah. gets out. <laughs> yeah, hopefully Riley keeps pumping out those digest versions so it doesn't take her you know, as long. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about on the show while we got you on the phone? Uh, no, not really. You know, it's, uh, thanks for keeping me entertained every Sunday, you know, Sunday night and all that. You, know, you guys are awesome. Brandon, we thank you for listening and say hello to anybody else who listens to the program as well. We appreciate you. Uh, Have a good night, man. Before we get too far off the topic, for Brandon in particular, because he mentioned taking a plea deal. Yes. And far be it for me to be on the never take a plea bandwagon, uh, but I think something should be highlighted as it relates to Aria and the Crypto 6 case. Yeah. like Despite the sentence that Ian is facing uh, for having not taken a plea, Mm. if, correct me if I'm wrong, because you know more about this than I do. Both Aria and nobody took pleas for crimes that were eventually dropped and not even brought up in Ian's trial. Right? Like they went, well, we don't really have the evidence for that. I believe that's correct. But uh, they but they got nobody in Aria on it because I, they took a plea. I actually don't know about the Aria. Uh, so Aria pled guilty to uh, not having a license. Yeah. Okay. And she's like, well, I didn't. I didn't seek a license. I didn't pay for a license. I didn't get a license. You know, so she's like, the only thing on this list of things that that I've actually done or not done in this case uh, was not have a license to do the things that I was doing. Um, And I don't know if that particular one has been dropped against Ian or not. Okay. Well, definitely nobody's because I've heard him complain about it. Yes. Okay. Yes, that one has. And I don't know if we've said it here on the Sunday Night Edition, but... uh, uh, it has been publicized now over on the freekeen.com blog. 
Uh, one of the money laundering charges has been dropped against Ian Freeman. Mm-hmm. One. Okay. There's seven more to go. Seven more you know, on the list of eight charges or whatever he was charged with. Um, and this is the result of his attorney having motioned to dismiss for lack of evidence, like mid-trial or something like that. So I remember okay. it happening, and then the judge never ruled on it. And then the trial was over, and the jury found him guilty on everything. And then, like, months later... They're coming. They're circling back around to this thing because they can't actually settle the case mm-hmm. until this motion gets settled that that his attorney made. So hopefully, there's more good news coming in the future about those things. But uh, that to me was just like, oh my gosh, this is the best news I've heard about this case like since it happened, since the raid happened. Okay, so that's there too. So my point, just be wary about taking the deal. Yeah, totally. Right? It's, it seems easier because the penalty you're facing is so much greater as they stack it against you. Yeah. But if they don't have the evidence for it, right, right, and they're not going to get you anyway. Well, there was another member of the Crypto Six, who I'm not going to name, yeah. but they were trying to get this person to take a plea deal. They said, no, you don't, you don't have anything. And right. then they dropped all of the charges. There you go. So, so again, not sure what situation Brand is in. Good luck. Especially if it's a victimless crime, you know, one of those well, state actor things. But. Some people may not be aware. Uh, I think most of the regular listeners to Free Talk Live might be aware. But if you're just tuning in or you're a new listener, most court cases do not go to trial. Mm-hmm. They right. are settled by plea deal. Right. Like, And they have uh, the way th- their methodology is such that this is what they do. Uh, they load up. You know, they're, oh, we're going to charge you with these 40 things or whatever, that big list of things, right? And that's designed to scare you. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, so that you're like, oh, man, am I going to beat yeah. all of those charges? So if you only pleaded, the, like, these two charges, right. you know, you won't have to, you know, we're going to threaten you with life in prison. Right. But if you do this, it's just a fine and house arrest and this, that, and the other thing. Which yeah. they definitely did to Aria. Yeah. That was one of the reasons why she... Yeah. took the plea on the one and they did it to nobody as well right so uh, this is their standard operating procedure is what i'm saying to, to our listeners is they will load up as many charges even if they're bs charges with they have no evidence for it, they will just load them up load them up load them up to make it look like you are facing like the most possible time and penalties that you could possibly face when they don't even have evidence for most of them yep. mm-hmm. uh and so you you're absolutely spot on richie rich with that particular uh, comment about that is what they do. They will load these. If they don't have evidence for any of it, it's it's just all for show. It's all designed to scare you into taking the plea deal because that's what they want. They don't want you going to trial. Right. They know that if you take if everybody who is facing some sort of a charge took their case to trial, the system would collapse tomorrow. Yeah. This is from DailyMail.co.uk. Farmer who lives off grid in remote Appalachia with no government ID. Reveals what it's really like to survive without running water, electricity, or shoes. I like this guy already. As he sets out to find a wife to share his unique lifestyle. All right. Now, when when people who aren't familiar with uh, libertarianism or anarchism or the philosophies of freedom, the non-aggression principles, stuff like that, when they first sort of come out of the fog of statism, a lot of them, you know, have that. They're like, oh, man, I'm going to go run off into the woods. And just, you know, exit the system completely. I'm going to, you know, homestead. I'm going to live off the land. More you know, difficult whatever than you think. It's also impractical, like yes. at least for me anyway. I, you know, maybe some other people can do it. But this is usually what, like, it's like first stage, uh, 
you know, libertarianism is like, gotta move to the remote area of wherever. I'm going yes. to Montana. I'm going to Alaska. Mm-hmm. I'm moving to Canada. You know, oh, New Hampshire looks good. I wonder how far north I can get. And you can get pretty far north in New Hampshire. This guy needs his own reality show. Like this guy does. either the Bachelor Appalachia edition <laughs> or the Real Housewives of Appalachia once he gets married. Ooh, nice. Uh, this guy's name is Titus Morris. So, yeah, definitely a uh, uh, media-type name. Right? Yeah. Not every day you meet somebody with the first name Titus. Uh, he's... Very strong masculine name, you know. <laughs> Envision that. Uh, so a farmer who lives off-grid in rural Kentucky is the star of a new YouTube video. Okay, YouTube. Which lays bare his very striped or stripped back lifestyle and how he is on the quest for love. Titus Morris has been living in a remote part of the Appalachian Mountains for eight years with no electricity, no water. I mean, he has access to water. He just doesn't have running water. Right. No city water. No city water. No cell phone, no car, and even no shoes in the summer. There's probably a... I mean, I'm down with that. There's probably a grip of libertarians going, you know, yeah, that sounds good so far. I, I do like electricity and running water. I would prefer to have well-drilled water that's not, you know, like oh, yeah. keen city water. Yeah, yeah. But, but I would mean, you drill it yourself in Kentucky? I mean, I could try. I, I've, I have friends who have drilled their own wells, okay. and it looked like it sucked. <laughs> uh, having, and in New Hampshire, I mean, it's not called the Granite State for no reason. I okay. don't know if I could successfully drill a well up here. Um, there are people who offer these services. Uh, yeah. I, I worked for a well driller for a short period of time in New Mexico. Oh, I was about to ask if you were looking for a job, but maybe not. No, I did that <laughs> yes, job. Yes, but no. And there's no way in hell I will ever. First of all, the problem with drilling for water. It's for the immigrants at this The problem that I had drilling for water with the job that I took for a very short period of time as I tried to get my ass the heck out of New Mexico. They used a divining rod. They did actually use that. (laughs) Um, But that wasn't my problem. My problem was, it's the frickin' desert. Well, more importantly, you you got to go deep. It's the frickin' desert. Yeah. Just try harder. Come on. (laughs) Like, like. If you'd have told me, like, hey, man, when you're like uh, when you're like 18, 19 years old, you're going to find yourself in the desert drilling for water. I'd have been like, whatever. Like, That's never going to happen. It sounds like one of those sayings, like, oh, when hell freezes over. Oh, yeah. when you hit yeah. water in the desert. Yeah, yeah. And so I worked for a well drilling company, uh, and that was their, their whole thing. And, like, every now and again, I mean, they had all the tech. They had this, like almost sonar looking thing that they okay. would you know drive around the the area where the the landowner wanted the well and they'd be like well we'll give you you know this much range and they try and find a spot and like if they couldn't find one out comes the divining rod you know and they would go by that and like one time it worked out know? of how many i mean i don't know okay you know i think i, I worked on maybe seven different sites statistically but- significant number of divining rod successes I, yeah, I don't okay. think you can draw statistics from my specific okay. uh, experience. But uh, basically, my job was shoving, shoveling gravel. Because what they do is they drill a big, big hole. They, they bring in this truck, and like this iron you know, tower sort of tips off the back of it. The truck has to be secured uh, to the ground in several different ways. And then another truck comes in, and this truck is full of uh, drill rods. 
And so they put the bit on the end of one rod and they start drilling. And as soon as they get down far enough, they bring in another rod with like a crane and you got to tip it up and whatever and you attach it. And then they drill down far enough until you get room for another rod and you just repeat this process until you hit water. Once water is hit, they got to pull all the rods out and you got to disassemble and put it back on the truck, you know, disassemble the drill bit and all that kind of stuff. And then what they do is they will uh, fill the hole with uh, industrial sized PVC pipe. Okay. All the way down to the water. And then they'll put a, an electric pump at the end of it with wires coming all the way up the length of, of the, uh, the the well, the shaft, if you will. Uh, and then, you know, they'll tie it into, you know, some electrical system, either solar powered or tie it into grid electric or battery power or whatever it is. Um, and so now you have this wide hole with a smaller bit of pvc going all the way down to the water well you got to fill in around the pvc so that the pipe doesn't move around as it's pumping water and you do that by shoveling gravel so in would roll a big ass dump truck full of gravel and they would dump it on the ground and leave and then they handed me a shovel and went here you go I was too excited showing you photos on my phone and talking about my nice Guar T-shirt that you so her deck kindly, picks. so yeah, un- deck, yeah un- deck picks. unsolicited, <laughs> unsolicited deck pics, no less. Uh, yeah, you know, reveling in the the awesomeness of the Guar shirt that Nikki was kind enough to bring back. Yep, from, that was how, the best one too. How, how was the show? And the only one that was left in your size. Nice. How was the show? Oh, it was awesome. Had you ever so, seen Guar before? No. This okay. was my first time right. seeing Guar. Right. I was not disappointed. Can, can I ask one question before you tell the story? Yes. Who did they decapitate, dismember? Usually? No one famous. It was because really? my, my good friend who has seen Guar before was yeah. telling me, well, she was asking me after the show, did they please tell me, like, which president did they decapitate? Right. So I was very disappointed they to... Did, they did not... No, did and they, she, she showed me a video on her phone months ago of her Guar show where they decapitated Obama yep. and... Or maybe it wasn't... Yeah, because I think it was years ago. It was Obama and uh, Trump. Yeah. Yeah. So... I, I think that... So the last Guar show I saw was the last time uh, Dave Brockie toured uh, before he died. Yeah. And so on that particular tour, I saw them decapitate Obama and Trump. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen them decapitate uh, Clinton, Hillary, uh, and Bill both. Yeah. Uh, or it'll be some sort of you know some you know music person like they decapitated some country music guy that I don't remember. Yeah. For um, my show, it was. I mean, they definitely ripped some sort of creature's head off, yeah. but it didn't seem to be anybody famous. So I was pretty disappointed. Or maybe they did, and I totally missed it. But mm, no one in possible. my group picked up on it either. It was when you were in line buying the T-shirt. Oh, no, 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 no. Did not leave the stage. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And we were in the pit, too, so I got sprayed with all sorts of stuff. Did you wear a white t-shirt? So I was thinking of wearing my wedding dress. (laughs) I really wanted to do that. Um, And then I ended up not doing it. And it wasn't like my expensive, fancy one. It would have been the reception one. Yeah. But no, I ended up just wearing my Butcher Baby shirt because it was really hot. And I'm like... I don't want to wear a wedding dress for like eight hours at this concert with like five different bands. It was just too much. So, But the one thing that disappointed me the most about the show was that Butcher Babies, Mm -hmm. which I'm I'm pretty much going for Butcher Babies and Guar. Yeah. They were the first act. What? And of course, we were not expecting that at all. I think Cole Chamber, 
Yeah. Who apparently I've never heard of them. Oh, they've been around. And for, then, that's actually um, their reunion tour now. Yeah, because and then, their lead singer went on to be uh, to be in Devil Driver. Okay, so if you're I'm familiar, familiar with Devil that. Driver, yeah. He's the same guy. Uh, okay, he started with Cole Chamber, and then they brought him back, and now mm-hmm. so this is their kind of reunion tour. So I yeah, kind of so, expect. Yeah, so I mean, that. it was good. Um, and then Mudvayne, I I honestly have not. They're they're pretty pretty popular band. Yeah. I haven't heard of them until I heard that they were playing with Guar and Butcher Babies. Mm. So I knew they were headlining. I knew they'd be last, obviously, because it's the Mudvayne tour. But I really wasn't. Oh, I was not expecting Butcher Babies to be first at all. And if I would have known that, for Mudvayne, yeah, that's surprising. Okay, all right. yeah, yeah. So everything was backwards. Yeah. Clearly, I wasn't part of the planning committee because I had, you know, so we we were all pretty confused. And Cole Chamber went on after Guar. Oh, so it was Guar was second. So no, no, no. There was another bands. band in between. Five it was bands. Butcher Babies. I can't. I'm blanking on the second band. Must not have been good. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm kind of a tough crowd too. Uh, and then Guar, okay. and then Cole Chamber, and then, then Mudvayne. Okay. And at that point, I was like, "Can we just go? Like, yeah. I have to pee, and I want to go home, and you know, grab some Taco Bell on the way home. Like, I don't. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm kind Old of meal. done with standing here right now. So, but overall, and you know, Mudvayne was good. Like overall, yeah. it was a great show, but. So outside of the the no decapitation of a president, what did you think of the Guar show? Cause, oh, it was awesome. Uh, we spent I don't know like the first half hour of last Sunday's show talking about Guar. I just sort of yeah. went off on a Guar rant. So uh, the folks who are listening again this Sunday, I'm yep, sure. So they're pretty. Have, they're already familiar, at least with you know some of the history, some of the stuff I've seen. But uh, as a first timer, like they were obviously way different than all the other bands, right? Oh the, yeah, the costumes, very unique, and all yeah. that kind of stuff. What what cool stuff did they do on stage that that you liked? Um, well, obviously, like spraying the audience like that, and I well, I was expecting all of this because I've seen a lot of Guar videos, and a lot of my friends have gone to see Guar. Um, so I was, you know, I I knew what to expect. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think like the that like four D aspect of it is really cool and really interactive, and that obviously draws a lot of people to the show. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, the theatrics is definitely very interesting. I I feel like nowadays a lot of bands you go to see, it's like, oh, they're just playing their song and it just, you could listen to the album. Like it it sounds the same. They might as well be lip syncing. Like we're not even sure if they're actually playing their instruments. It's just kind of dry and boring. So it's nice to see someone actually putting on a show, being interactive, um, and I always enjoy shows that are like that more where at least like people are dancing, running around the stage, interacting with other members of the band, interacting with the audience. To me, that's a really important part of live music that mm-hmm. a no- not a lot of bands are doing that nowadays. In an hour long documentary made by YouTuber Peter Santanello, Ooh. Titus, this is the, uh, the guy living off grid. Sheds light on what his day-to-day routine looks like with farming potatoes, doing laundry in the neighboring river, and feeding his horses being among his daily tasks. At one point, he reveals his monthly expenditures is around $140, and he makes a small income by training and shoeing horses. I actually show the picture of a guy, of the guy. He kind of looks like, uh, uh, do you remember uh, Highlander? The first movie, okay. Uh, the not not the Highlander guy, but the the bad guy. It was you know they ended up you know fighting at the end of the movie. Okay, he looks like that guy. All right, uh, but he's got like fuzzier hair and a big old beard. Looks a bit Amish. 
Uh, and he's standing next to what looks like some sort of a cabin, maybe a mobile home or something. Uh, so apparently this guy uh, lives off-grid. His outgoings include $90 a month for a landline telephone. That's expensive that's, for a landline yeah. phone. Wait, wait. That's on-grid. Yeah, okay. The yeah, a landline Telephone would be... is on-grid. I'm sorry. That's... I think, yeah, having a cell phone would be less uh, on I mean, the grid. <laughs> I'm just calling, you know, hey, fake news, uh, fake headline, uh, 90 bucks a month for landline telephone, which has been installed in a shed by his trailer home so he can share it with a neighbor. He then spends around 20 bucks a month on food for his dogs, Sadie and Spartacus, and another 30 bucks on produce that he can't grow, such as bananas or Himalayan salt. After being brought up in a very religious family, Titus continued living as simply as possible. So no doubt a minimalist. You'd have to be. Uh, yeah. While his parents have a computer and electricity, he decided to take things back to basics even further. He says he lives in a similar way to the Amish community, but he does not follow their religion and practices Christianity instead. Adding to the mystery, he has no official form of identification. His parents got him a social security number as a child, but he never signed it and later decided to revoke it. Then, well, then his birth certificate washed away in a flood and he's never had a driver's license. He tells viewers, I don't exist in the eyes of government, but I do exist in the lives of people that know me and my father. That's more important. Yeah, that's amazing. That is like really taking it back to I, just the reality of life. You know, like all of this made up government stuff, it's all crap. Like none of that is. is real. Yep. Yeah, it's, de it's designed to track you and your every move, and uh, they do so. In ways that make even the former Soviet Union jealous. They would they would be like, oh my God, you guys can do what? No, we have to have that now. Oh my gosh, how did you get away with that? I mean, we mentioned it earlier with the January 6th footage. Yeah. Right? They they tracked people down to like, oh, I bought this t-shirt from this vendor and we're going to go ahead and get the receipt and gotcha. Yep. Uh, in terms of Titus' home base, he lives on a 50-acre plot with about 20 acres being open pasture and the other 30 being wooded. At the beginning of the documentary, the outdoorsman gives viewers a quick tour of his small home. He explains it's a little messy, as he has had a friend staying with him. The open-plan home consists of a kitchen, dining space, and an area to sleep. While it has a normal kitchen installed, none of the appliances work, and Titus disconnected the electricity when he moved in. During the summer, he likes to cook on a wood-burning stove on his front porch as it gets too hot inside. Yeah, that's why grills are outside, because, you know, yeah. you don't want to heat up the house. In line with his religious beliefs, Titus does not eat any meat, and he never had any dairy or egg products growing up. Influenced by or based on personal beliefs or feelings rather than based on facts is the definition of subjective. What is the definition of subjective value? Uh, there are no results for subjective value. Because it doesn't exist! And that's what I've been trying to tell you for 18 months now on every single call that I make every week, Captain. Uh, there is no subjective value. He, he's told us before. He, he already no. knows this. He doesn't need to tell us. He gave it to us again. No, I don't. And I used it. I used his own definition to make two separate cases. <laughs> I, I'm not disagreeing with you at all. Like, I appreciate that. I, uh, Nick and I are just sitting here looking at each other going, 
This guy's a moron. (laughs) Richie Rich has got this in hand. He'd Uh, be a typical adjective moron, but I can't say that on Free Talk Live. And, uh, you know, uh, rather than, uh, you know, interrupting him more or him interrupting us more, we're just like, okay, well, let's let's see where this thing goes. And, man, I mean, like, we're on board, right? Like, your examples are spot on and, like, obvious uh, examples. I try to use simple, simple, simple examples that the listeners can relate to. Yeah. Well, and While giving I Captain a plug on his three song EP. The, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the other funny part of it is he's like, well, you guys are in an echo chamber, which it, that actually might be true. Sure. But the, the funny part is we get several callers that call in to say that they don't like him and he's an idiot. I've never had a caller that I've heard on the show call in to support him. So. Because he doesn't have an echo chamber. I guess. According to the subjective theory of value, by assuming that all trades between individuals are voluntary, it can be concluded that both parties to the trade subjectively perceive the goods, labor, or money that they receive as being of a higher value to the goods, labor, or money they give away. So the only key takeaway from that little definition is perceived. Right. Right. So in Scooter's example, you perceive the Tacoma to be $30,000. Right. Right, the guy with the Tacoma goes like, I'd rather have $30,000, so yeah. I'll take the money, you take the Tacoma, and then it grenades on you down the street, right? You are out your $30,000, he is up $30,000, but out a truck, right? and you are now out a truck as well. So you've lost perceived value, right, but, in, but the trade would not have occurred more than likely if you knew that the car was going to grenade, and that's a buyer beware situation. Right. Or yeah. an insurance situation. Right, right. Right. Or warranty if you're buying from warranty, like a dealer yeah, whatever. or something. There, right, there yeah. are ways to mitigate that risk right. in the free market right. and in the you know, unfree market as well. Right. Without the state intervention, right? You don't need like yeah. lemon laws or a three day right of rescission, you know, that kind of stuff. You don't need that stuff because you can bake that into the, the actual exchange process. Right. You don't need it. I you know, I d I don't think there ought to be a law. Um but I I but do, that's that's I'm something in, you would I'm negotiate. In favor, yeah, I'm in favor of protections. Right. Yeah. Like like if I'm buying said Tacoma from a dealer at yeah. thirty grand, I want something in the sales contract, uh, assuming I'm financing it and get to right. pay you know pay a monthly installment to pay this thing off. I ain't got thirty grand sitting around. Um, that I would want something baked into the sales contract that says three day right of rescission. Yep. You know, if it grenades within X, you know, warranty kicks in something along those lines. Yep. Right, something to cover me and protect me from that. There's no reason for a law to be made that you know supposedly protects you from that when you could just bake it into your actual sales yeah. process. And they would be incentivized to bake it in when they realize that they're not getting as many sales as they otherwise could, right? Because the dealership down the street is baking it in, right? Yeah. As soon as that competition kicks in, they're like, oh, we better up our game. We better right. innovate, or or we're going to go out of business. And, that's- and and the reason that someone would go to the dealer down the street. And not your dealership is guess what? Subjective theory of value. The theory holds that one can create value simply by trading with someone who values the items higher without necessarily modifying them. Wealth is understood to refer to individual subjective valuation of their possessions and voluntary trades may increase the total wealth in society. This is because each participant of the voluntary transaction has gained more value than they originally had. Right. Which, of course, again, is subjective to the individual. Scooter is probably mistaking value with utility. Oh. 
you might be onto something, and I'm not just talking drugs. Yep. Like, you would value that Tacoma truck because of the utility of it. Right. Right, the engine, the tow power, the horsepower. Right. Right, the, the load. Does it have a winch? Can it tow? Right. Right, four-wheel drive, whatever. Yeah. Right. And that, that gives that gives utility to the object. Yeah. Right, and could in could impact the way you value it. Uh, but I'm not in the market for a winch. Let's go to Jerome in South Carolina. Trump train. Seven hundred and eighty-seven million dollars. Is this the Fox payoff again that you bring up like every week for like two months 787 now? Seven hundred and eighty-seven million dollars. How much money is that? Seven hundred eighty-seven million dollars. Like you just said it twice. More money. More money. More money. Jerome, hey. are you a broken record? Can you imagine ha- just having you, that kind of money lying around to pay a fine? Like, okay, we'll pay it. How are you so dumb that you go along with a fool who makes you pay up? Who are you calling dumb? You out. calling us dumb, you Jerome? Have to pay it out. We didn't go along He's with anything. Paid. What are you talking about? He, te- he tells the lies, and you got to pay the price. How do you like that? Well, that's that's how politics works. The politicians tell the lies, and then you pay the price via taxation. Not for seven hundred eighty-seven damn million dollars, I don't. Well, no, but you know, ain't no Democrat ever cost a hey. There ain't no Democrat ever cost a TV network that kind of money. Because if he has, not even. No, I don't know Clinton if that's true. Over on BJ, not even Bill Clinton over on BJ cost anybody money like that. None of them. No. Well, you None. you, you, you got to know too that seven hundred eighty-seven million dollars today in twenty twenty-three is, well, probably only worth uh, half of what it was uh, in the Bill Clinton day. And now, and now... And you mean like we care that Fox News had to pay the money? Yeah, we we don't actually care. I know you don't. So then why are you telling Why don't you call us about something we care about? it makes me feel good. It makes me feel good. It makes me feel good. Is that what we're here for? We got people here in Charleston. Make make your own feel-good show. They don't want to talk to me. Because we got people in Charleston here Who's scared of me? They don't want to talk to me. They're scared They're of you? Scared. They're scared of me, yeah. Why, you you might talk them to death? No, because they're Republicans and I'm not, and they don't want to hear the truth. Wait, where are you they at? South Carolina? Is South Carolina full of Republicans? you damn right. Hey, they, they just had Trump here. It was last night some some uh, goofy elephant event they put on with, uh, with the clown Governor McMaster. Master Blaster on, hugging and kissing Trump ring and kissing his toes. So then why don't you yeah. move to a more uh, Democrat-friendly place? Look, it's like I told you. I live here because my mom lives here. I love yeah. my mother. My mom's buried here. So... I miss her every day. I'm not moving because I get a chance to go and see her whenever I can. I go and visit her grave because I miss her every day. Okay. Aww. My mom is the only woman in my whole life, not saying that I'm like a playboy or anything, but no woman I've ever been involved with has ever told me they love me, okay? I believe and that. And I lay down in bed with them. I never laid down in bed with my mom, okay? And, and, and had, as, as a weird term. Yeah, no. say, relations. This, this segment has taken a sudden turn. Go ahead, Drew. Relations, as, as, as the Crumps from that movie, the Crumps, relations. I don't see that raw relations. My mom's the only woman that ever told me she loved me. Till this very day. 
Yeah. You know what, Jerome? Before she passed away, let me finish. Before she passed away, she told me, you're all I got and I all you got. And I hold on to that for forever, okay? Jerome, okay. I want to tell my you something. Don't me, do it. My mom asked me, why don't you You'll ruin the special relationship with his mom. My mom asked me. That's just me. mean. You know what I told her? Because I could never find somebody like you. That's why. That's why I'm not married. Oh. And I don't intend that to get That almost married. sounds toxic. A little bit. But, no, Jerome, I want, to, I want to tell you, I do really like you, and I wish that you friend. wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously. I wish you wouldn't let politics, like, take up so much space in your head. Because really? I feel like you would have so much more peace in your heart and so much more happiness in your life if you just, like, never worried about Republicans or Fox News ever again. No, and I know it, joy it Well, I, I know it can be hard because, you know, obviously politicians are, you know— destroying the universe and, you know, controlling a lot of what we do. And it, it can be hard to ignore, but I feel like you'd be so much more happy if you just, like, turned off the TV or, you know, like, no, found a different hobby. You know why I'm angry? You know why I'm angry? Because Mitch Mc- Bitch McConnell once said to Barack Obama, we're going to do everything we can to destroy you. And when they said that to him, it was like he said it to me. So now look what it has. So like this is proving my point though. Everything you just said, Nikki, just over his head. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're right about Mitch McConnell. Like he sucks, but that's why I don't think about him. The only time I think about Mitch McConnell is when somebody makes a funny meme about Mitch McConnell. Yeah, like making fun of him. Hey, Daily Digest listeners, this is Riley Blake. I enjoy Free Talk Live, and I know you do too, but finding time to listen to an entire episode isn't always easy, so I produce the Daily Digest. I appreciate those of you who have supported me on Patreon and sent Bitcoin to me to thank me for producing these digests. For those who wish to support me on Patreon, visit patreon.com slash crblake86. If you wish to send Bitcoin, visit patreon.com slash crblake86. 86 for those details. That's patreon.com slash crblake86. Thank you. Major, you're on Free Talk Live. Good evening, folks. Yeah, um, do you do you guys need me to send you like a screen repair kit or a can of yard guard or something? About 20 minutes ago, all I heard on the radio was... Skeeter. Hey, damn bothersome Skeeter. Yeah, we could, <laughs> we, we could use... He can dynamite some logic, dude. I'm telling you what. I had a thought in my head. He just blew it right off my ear. <laughs> yeah, uh, if you want to send a, a case of Raid or something, uh, or some of those uh, citronella, citronella tiki torches or something, I'm, I, I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah. I, I always called them the Cinderella candles. I thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> Cinderella candles. But um, you guys were talking about well drilling earlier, remember? You'd back in New Mexico there when you was a youngin'? Yep. And uh, I actually have used divining rods on more than one occasion, and they do work. Explain they it to me. I, How does we, that we, work? Well, we, we've got a lot of aquifers here in Michigan, so, you know, groundwater's pretty plentiful. It's usually not more than a couple hundred feet deep. But, uh, yeah, I can always get them to cross, generally not marching 50 yards on a property. Okay. Is Help me out, because to me, it's always been voodoo, and I want to understand the science. Well, it's just the magnetic pull of the earth. You got, you 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 are the ground, and you bend these rods, and you hold them very loosely in your hands, 
and then you just walk real slow with them about a foot apart or so. You generally got about an eighteen-inch set of rods, you know, with plus the bend down part, so maybe two foot to start with. And uh, as you get over the magnetic pull of the water, the damn thing just cross. It, it is voodoo and magic, but right. it works. Yeah, the <laughs> the idea is is that the Earth is magnetic, okay, and the water flowing across uh, the magnetism of the Earth creates a slight disturbance. And that's what causes the rods to move. Okay. That's the idea, as I understand it. All right. Yeah, there's, there's a section in Michigan way north of here, or just a little bit north of here, that's Presque Isle, And it's giant slabs of limestone, right? And there's, there's quarries all over here. Hell, we make all kinds of cement. Mm-hmm. But um, when you hit a pocket between a couple of these giant rocks, those things will just jump together. Is there a way to, like, they test they that theory in a lab setting? Hole. They found a magic hole where you can actually put a straw in, you know what I mean? Is there, uh, Richie Rich was asking, is there a way to test uh, divining rods in, like, a lab setting? Like, can I fill it, can I make two small divining rods and put, like, a cup of water under the table, right, and then, like, slowly push the rods across the table? That's, and... no, that's not, that's not going to have the magnetic pull of the earth. Okay. Richie, all you got to do is get a couple of welding rods, you know, brazing rods. You know what I'm talking about? For no, I'm not a welder. Shape? Well, anyway, just a couple of good, high-quality steel rods. Bend them just so you got a couple upright handles. Put them loosely in your hands and go walk around someplace. Check it out yourself, dude. Well, not I'm also not going to gonna drill a well just because the, the, the streams cross, right? Like no, but, well, no, but you could witness the rods moving in your hand as you I walk be- across a, a, a piece of land. I would believe that the rods would move just by the variation in the vibration of human beings naturally, mm. right? Like everything is always in motion, right? So you, you put two things in your hand, your hands are never going to be completely still, right? They're going to wobble at whatever they do, right? Like you put your hand down, it's always shaking ever so slightly. So it's going to do, those rods are going to vibrate and they're going to do what it, the rods do. And my contention is, again, more like voodoo, at some point they're going to cross. Yeah. No, well, we are low-voltage machines. We are the ground. Okay. To this apparatus, right? And if you say when so. It comes into, when it comes into the polarity of the water, that's when they cross. Okay. I don't, I, like I said, I don't, you, I don't think you can do this with a, a cup of water underneath your kitchen table, a couple of rods on top. Understood. But it's, if I go out walking, I'm not it's, going it's, to actually dig a well where they cross. I don't I don't have that kind of authority in or, nor the land. What you could do, though, is, uh, uh, you know, I don't know, call a well drilling company and, hey, do you guys use divining rods? I'd like to witness this at some point. That is true. Right. And, uh, you know, I'm writing a paper or something or I do a talk yeah. radio show. Right? I'm doing some research, something like that. See if they take you along for a ride along one day. All right. You know, uh, and then, you know, film that. But if if it crosses and they dig and there's nothing, right? That that would be falsifiable enough for me, right? Right? Like you know, like you said, they did, they did it like seven times. Okay, did they find water all seven times? I don't know. Okay, like I that that would be my question. I know they found water one time at least, at least once. Yeah. Right, and and that could be happenstance. It could be. You know, the, the aquifer or whatever is long enough or wide enough or has enough area in the ground, mm. right, that 
they could have dug 50 yards away where yeah. the where the where the rods didn't cross and still hit the same aquifer they well, just happen to dig here because that's where their hands vibrate i would the just together. think that they wouldn't be using it if it were like such low probability well, that it works the, you know the what thing I mean? is that the one time that i saw you know the guy holding the dividing rods and they moved as he's walking across the plane and that's where they decided to drill was after having used their other electronic equipment to attempt to find a place to drill and having no luck. And because they didn't have luck already, they were like, well, let's bust out the divining rods, yeah. you know, and they used that and then they drilled there and then they eventually hit water. They had to go pretty deep. But again, it was the desert. So, like, you know, go figure. And, and to your point real quick, Nikki, uh, lobotomies were once part of regular medical science. Yes. All right, so- yeah. <laughs> I mean, and then they realized it didn't work and they stopped using it. I'd rather have this bottle in front of me than a frontal lobotomy. Yes. Aquifers do rise with the land. I don't know if you guys have ever paid much attention to the hillsides, especially out west, but about halfway up, you'll usually find a green band. And uh, that is where the aquifer has risen to the top. And the hill's probably there because mm. of some kind of plate tectonics, which gave the water a passage to get that high. Right. So, so drill a well near the a first, hill. The first, first rule of finding water is start where it's green, especially if you're in some place where it's brown. When we last left our heroes, we were speaking with jerkface McEffingstash. And you wanted a reminder to ask a question. And I don't remember the question, but I remembered the reminder. <laughs> oh, uh, we were talking. Very uh, helpful. Uh, thank you. Jer- jer- world market. Yeah, Jerkface was talking about Reputation Wallet. Okay. Uh, and we had you know questions about what is that and how does that work. And, and you were talking about how Reputation uh, Wallets and the Chinese social credit app are, you believe, the same thing. Or at least the backbones are, are identical and one leads to the other. So I wanted to ask Richie Rich specifically and then let uh, Jerkface retort. Uh, what about on, like, the Silk Road uh, when they had the reputation scores for each of the sellers? So if I were selling, you know, I don't know, drugs on the black market and a number of people would uh, patronize my store uh, and when I delivered quality product on time at a reasonable price, they would rate me higher than you know, arguably other sellers. So how do you see that fitting in versus the uh, the wallet version of reputation uh generally so individual things like that i'm probably okay with right like ebay feedback the silk road reputation however that's worded right because the silk road thing was based on ebay right okay. so yeah. they, they and I, literally copied the ebay reputation system yeah and like i know like if i'm buying something off of amazon i mean the quality right. that you can get varies on you know similar products sure so i always look at those reviews to make sure i'm not buying something that sucks right but the the global reputation score, reputation rating, reputation wallet, Chinese credit score, like is global across multiple industries. I guess and it follows is, you every. Yeah, it is tied to the individual instead of like the business. I guess would be the the business right? or the account, right? Like if account. if your reputation goes to pot on eBay or Silk Road, right? You go like, screw that. I'm gonna sign up for a new account and start over again. Right. Right. And then maybe the the worst thing that happens in that case. Right. Is because you don't have a reputation, you don't make as much money. Right. Right. So there's like there's a there's a consumer feedback mechanism in there, which is, well, this dude doesn't have a reputation. I'm not willing to risk as much money 
buying from him as I would spend more money for someone with a better reputation. Right. So I think you've answered my question uh, within that thinking that like your eBay reputation doesn't carry over to Amazon. Your Amazon reputation doesn't carry over to any other platform. They're they're platform specific. Yeah. And I had a I had an old boss and friend who who did the eBay thing on the side. Yeah. And for like one month, um, he was in the midst of a divorce. Yeah. With his wife. Yeah. And shipped out nothing, <laughs> right? Poor guy. And then he got it all together and he, you know, sent everything out. Yeah. Right. But for that month, he went from you know a hundred percent feedback down to like seventy percent feedback because he just didn't do anything for a month. Right. Right. And then you know, in the if that had carried with him everywhere else he went, right? Yeah. Right. It would be harmful to his recovery. Right. Whereas just going like, okay, I made good, and you know, over time, my reputation will will rebuild. And only specific to eBay seems more reasonable to me. Let's let's get Jerkface's thoughts. Yeah, on the Silk Road, it was devastating for a seller to lose their their account. So if they were wiped out and uh, they were banned from the site, they had to start over from the beginning. It was uh, it was really hard to recover from that because it takes so long to get people to trust you on the dark market and the reputation thing. The good thing is is that um, on the Silk Road, trust was like the the main concern uh between sales so ebay actually or ebay uh the silk road held your bitcoin in escrow until uh the product uh reached the buyer right and that that made it a lot better but yeah it was absolutely devastating for a seller to have their accounts wiped out off those uh those platforms without a doubt uh how long it takes to build reputation in those kind of situations so even even in that situation right like i've i've bought uh, I have been scammed on eBay out of like an iPad, right? Because mm. I, I, it was a good deal. Mm. I bought it. They shipped it. I got the ship notification, said it was being held at the post office, never got delivered to me. I went down to the post office. Post office said, that tracker is not associated with your name. We can't give you the package. Uh, right? Balls. Oh, wow. But I got I went through eBay's protocol to right. get my money back. So I didn't lose anything and I don't know what happened to that seller. Yeah. Right. But if 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 Silk Road's like holding it in escrow and the guy goes, No, man, I put it in the box. The box had a tracker, tracker said it was delivered, and the buyer goes, I didn't receive anything. Right. Well then what happens? Now we have a dispute that we need to resolve. Right? Yeah, then, Silk Road yeah, Silk Road usually uh dealt with those uh disputes. Um and I'm not really sure on how they decided. I'm sure a conversation took place and they made a decision one way or another to release the Bitcoin back to the uh, buyer or to the seller. And if they release it uh, back to the buyer, right, who received the product, pretended like he didn't get it because of the situation I just described, but in the reverse, right, and gets his Bitcoin back, then the seller is screwed. Yeah, this same thing happens with uh, these third-party uh, ticket resale places like StubHub. Yeah, for example. Uh, and and uh, uh, without naming names, somebody recently uh, had this happen where um, he sold some tickets to somebody and uh, uh, sent them, you know, mailed them out, whatever. And then that person said, "Oh, we never got them." Yep. Uh, and so this person, you know, a smarter person. Uh, you know, gathered some evidence, uh, asked them to collect the uh, the logs of the, the when they scanned the tickets for entry, and they could see that the tickets that he sent uh, to this buyer were used at a completely different time 
than when he used his tickets, right? Because he bought, let's say, four tickets. So him and his other party went in, you know, at, I don't know, 6 p.m., and these other tickets were scanned, like, at 7.30 p.m. So you could tell that there were two different points of entry, that he himself didn't use the tickets, that somebody else used them. And so then, of course, the event had, you know, cameras and all that kind of stuff that they could, you know, take advantage of if they wanted to. So they're able to pretty easily... Uh, resolve that dispute so uh, that happens regardless of system uh but what i want to know uh jerk face and and richie rich and and uh you too nikki like, yeah whoever you are forgot her name for a second your name again uh how does this tie into uh reputation wallets Anyone? Bueller? Well, Jerkface first, because he's more familiar with the Oh, wallets. yeah. Uh, well, for me, like, if I were cosplaying leftists, like, I would want, like, people to be more car- carbon-free and uh, be more charitable and stuff like that, and they, they build their reputation like that, mm-hmm. as well as through transactions and disputes and, uh, you know, just generally being a good citizen. Now, like, the anarchist me rejects that, like, wholeheartedly because I think those people are nuts, but they have every right to do whatever they want, you know, like, and I can see how that system would be very desirable to leftists. Uh, as far as rightists, they, they probably just want honest businessmen, right? Like people who deliver their product on time when they say they're going to do it exactly how they described it. And they just want to see that repeated over and over and over again. And I think that kind of goes for the free market in general. I believe this is Robert. You're on Free Talk Live. Hi. Um, before you were talking about um, the difference in... Uh, you know, the, the, uh, uh, you, you walk across a piece of property with two sticks, and if they change a little bit, then you think that there could, that there could be water down below. Divining um, rods, yes. Okay. So so what you're really measuring is you're measuring very, very slight changes, or at least trying to measure very slight changes in the um, in, in gravitation. That would be right. That would be a correct. My that my assumption would be correct, right? So gravitation or magnetics? Yeah, so, I would think it would be uh, variations in the magnetic field that the Earth is constantly, you know, emitting. Okay, the me- the rods are made out of metal, or are they made out of wood? Metal. I see. I didn't understand it because I've heard of people doing it with wood. Does everybody do it with metal, or do some people do it with wood as well? I think the wood is in the cartoons. Yeah, I, the only time that I've seen it was, it was literally, I, I want to say like a coat hanger type of material, right? It was just long uh, pieces of, you know, imagine a coat hanger just, you know, straightened out completely, no bumps or anything in it. And then at the end, it had like a little bend, a 90 degree bend, so mm-hmm. you could just hold it in your hand, like like finger guns almost. And so you just put that uh, in your hands and you hold two of them sort of parallel to each other loosely. And then you walk across the plot of land, and as you, you know, discover a disturbance in the force or whatever it is, the magnetosphere or or the gravitational pull, the rods will pull together or move apart. And sometimes, depending on the strength, like I've been told that sometimes they will even spin if you're holding huh. them in your hand, depending That's on weird. how strong the force is. I've never witnessed that. I just witnessed them move, you know, a few degrees one way or the other when, when the guy was holding them. It's the so. count of your water source. Yeah, right. See, yeah. I was picturing tuning forks. Yeah, slightly so. different. Slightly different. Robert? Yeah. Well, I, I was just thinking, you know, if you measure gravitational force, I know varies from place to place. There is a difference in gravitational force. Um. 
So, and I didn't know whether you were measuring gravitational force with, with those things or if you measure magnetic. Again, it's voodoo because you're not know, measuring anything. You just got two rods in your hand, and when they cross, there's supposedly water there. And then you dig a hole, yeah. like however many tens of feet deep, and then if you're lucky, you hit water. If you don't, you go, oh, man, I got to use that rod again, and then you walk another 50 yards someplace else and try it again. Well, and the same thing occurs that you just described using, you know, equipment, electronic equipment. Okay. That is supposed to, you know, be able to, you know, sonar like shoot something down okay. into the earth and tell you where the, the water table might be. And, you but, know, then you drill a hole and nothing's there. But humans being electrical sources and being the ground as the majors, you know, said it, it's, it's, just, a, it's just a more simplified version of the complex equipment. Sounds like it. Robert? Yes, I see. Well, I I, I was thinking of, of gravitational force, and I, I just wanted you to know that in terms of gravitational force, um, gravitation actually is made out of photons. Photons are massless subatomic particles, just like, I mean, photons and gravitons have that in, in common, but gravitons can, uh, are responsible for gravitational force and photons for uh, light and also radio signals. RF, that kind of thing. So there is, there's a major difference between what they do, but their, their propagational characteristics have a lot of similarity. As a matter of fact, that's how we discovered that, um, gravi- that, photon, that gravitons are actually traveling as well in deep space, not only photons, but gravitons as well, because Albert Einstein predicted that 100 years ago, but he said we'd never be able to detect it. But the way we detected it is we had receiving stations in different places on Earth we detected the very slight difference in time when they reached the different stations that it was the same signal. And that's how we knew that gravitational force, that, that, that gravitons were doing the same thing and that we were receiving them from deep space. And I just thought to myself, I, I didn't know, I, I, I was trying to figure out, trying to figure out in my mind if you were, if you were dealing with gravitons, gravitational force. So read this headline again for people who are just tuning in, because I want to hear the headline. So I found, I found this headline. Uh, I'm, we don't have to get into the article, but it, it made me think of you, and so I set it off to the side. Germans have a moral obligation to sacrifice living standards and wealth, claims their Green Party MP. Now, I know Robert's a big fan of Germans, the German way, and Germany, Germany, Germany. German chocolate cake. Sure. But why are they being asked to sacrifice their living standards and wealth as a moral obligation? Well, Germans certainly feel that moral obligation, no question about that. And and Germans contribute significantly to the rest of the world, and most people have no idea how much. Because Germans send engineers right out into the field and show people how to do things. They don't write a check for a billion dollars and then have some nasty dictator put half of it in a Swiss bank account and the other half by weapons to hold this population under control. Germans send, they have the Deutsche Hilfsdienst, which means the German helping service. And they send out engineers to show them how to clear, clean water, for example. They send clear plastic bottles. You just put the water in the clear plastic bottles and put, them out and put it out in the hot sun and it purifies the water. It's almost like three purification. It, 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 little things like that that can make a huge difference. Okay. And, uh, and Germans are, are very, very conscious. About I don't feel like things. he's answered the question. Well, so let's just take his answer ever so briefly and suggest that uh, in a free market, right, which we you know, we know we don't have, um, if you were providing that level of value, you would be receiving more value 
per our earlier discussion, right? Like if you were providing this level of service to the rest of the world, you would be getting something in return and would not then need uh, to lower your living standards and wealth um, for the vast majority of the Germans there. Well, Germans believe in doing it, and 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 this is. I'm also half I'm half Jewish. I mean, I'm I'm so I, I know about Jewish philosophy, and the Jewish philosophy is, and, and a lot of Germans go that by, by that because Germany is heavily influenced by the Jewish philosophy because we're actually part Jewish in a kind of a way. I can tell you why how how that turned out to be 1600. But anyhow, what we do is we have that, that same philosophy. In other words, you contribute all you can and, and, and have it so that it doesn't negatively affect you. In other words, there are lots and lots of ways you can help people without it bringing you, bringing you down. Um, and well, this one is actually being told to bring it down. Right? Well, the, the Green Party MP is saying lower your living standards and be less wealthy. Well, 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 Germans have factories and, and sales offices all over the world to sell, to manufacture all kinds of products. And a lot of people from all over the world work in German factories. Here in South Carolina, we have BMW, the largest BMW plant in the world. Um, for, uh, the other day, Volkswagen decided to invest $4 billion near Columbia to build a huge factory there. We have Mercedes-Benz here in the Charleston area. Uh, Volvo came in, and, and they're not too far away. Actually, they're in North Charleston. So a little bit north of North Charleston, and and, uh, and 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 Germans provide work for people all over the world. They they tremendous they raise the living standard by giving people work and giving them a future and help them with education. As a matter of fact, one time I think it was gone. So many, why why would ago. it be moral for them to lower their living standard? And well, you can do all. The best way to do it is to dovetail. In other words, take to to. to I'm not asking how. I'm asking why. Why would it be moral for anyone, uh, much less the German people, well, it, to it, lower it, their it, it, living it, standard because a politician said so? You, you should do it without lowering your living standards. You don't have to lower your living standards. You, you, you live normally. I mean, Germans live normally. I, I, my, my relatives in Germany, they, they live normally. They don't, they, they're not, they're not, they don't overspend or anything well, like they're, that. Well, they're they being live. asked to lower their standard of living by this guy. Who's this guy? Uh, the Green Party MP. Well, there might be some younger Germans who, who who are living it up a little bit, but Germans in general are are very very cautious when it comes to giving out money. They they get the max, they get the mo- the best for less. You just heard highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. You can download full episodes, subscribe to our podcast, listen live, and more, all for free at freetalklive.com.